On this episode of the GESC Podcast, we had a chance to sit down with John C. Sherwood and Brooks Grantier, stars of the upcoming production of Sherlock by Wireless. Before that, though, <laughs> wonder what that sound is. Let's get down to the bottom of that mystery. Actors to your places, podcast listeners to your earbuds. Join us as we make our great escape. It is a new year for the Great Escape Stage Company, and for those of you who have stopped by recently, you may have noticed a few changes, including new chairs, which we're pretty excited about, framed posters of our past productions, and if you come by before or after productions, you may be lucky enough to catch a glimpse of my next topic here. Uh, Let me introduce you all to Kingsley, the official GESC podcast corgi. Uh, Say hello, Kingsley. He's taking a nap right now. I don't want to wake him up. But Kingsley had a chance to have a guest spot in our interview that you'll hear in just a minute here and managed to start a pretty fantastic blooper that I want to share with you at the very end of our production today. I rarely share outtakes, but John C. Sherwood was so charming about it, I couldn't help myself. So as I mentioned at the very beginning, we get a chance to sit down with John C. Sherwood and Brooks Grantier, both men who, by the time our interview is concluded, you will absolutely agree with me when I say that they are authorities on not only Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, but the performance of such characters as well. So with that, let's turn things over to our interview. All right, thank you both so much for joining us. I know we have a returning member of our show, but let's, for the sake of formality, take a moment to introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm John Sherwood. I'm a member of the Board of Directors of the Great Escape Stage Company and a longtime Marshall resident. I'm Brooks Grantier. I do a lot of things in Marshall and have lived here for a long time. Fantastic. And for the upcoming production, what roles will you both be playing, gentlemen? Uh, It's kind of a dual role in that uh, we are going to be presenting ourselves as Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, who were famous for portraying Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson in films and radio and other ventures, and we will be portraying both. Therefore, I, I'm Brooks, I will be playing Nigel Bruce, playing Dr. Watson. John will be playing Basil Rathbone, playing Sherlock Holmes. Fantastic. Now, as the medium is going to be in the style of a live radio production, I'm curious, what are some advantages, disadvantages? What is the appeal of doing a radio play as opposed to a play? It's not even in the style of a live radio broadcast. It is a complete recreation of a live radio broadcast. We're using the actual scripts uh, for the Holmes radio series from the 1940s. These three come from the tail end of World War II in 1945, and uh, two of them are compositions suggested by the famous stories, and the other one is a dramatization of one of Doyle's own stories. Uh, so that these, what, what you see is what you would have heard in 1945 if you'd been tuned into your mutual broadcasting network <laughs> affiliate. Along with the sound effects and uh, various other things that you would see if you were in the radio studio at the time, actors milling about, having coffee, uh, things like that, uh, when they're not in front of the microphone. Excellent, excellent. It sounds like the two of you are a bit of uh, authorities on the subject of uh, Holmes and Watson as well. Could you give us a little bit of background about uh, some of your expertise and studies? (laughs) We have become authorities. Uh, It it began actually quite a while ago, in the early 1980s. Um, Brooks and I put together a music and magic show 
uh, which performed uh, not only at the National House Inn here in uh, uh, Marshall, but at the Victorian Villa Inn in Union City. And year after year, as we tried to reach for new things to do, we started to develop skits and things like that. And one year, I proposed that we do a Sherlock Holmes skit uh, with myself uh, as Holmes and Brooks as Watson. I was totally inspired by the fact that I thought Brooks would be a magnificent Watson and that people would set their minds at ease for maybe 15 minutes and accept me briefly as, as Holmes. Um, and it turned out that that skit was a hit among uh, the people who came to the Christmas entertainments that year. And the owner of the inn, Ron Gibson, uh, suggested that we try a series of mystery weekends, or at least one. <laughs> he said, why not write a mystery weekend? And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I wrote one <laughs> the following year, and we debuted it in 1987. And we kept doing it for 14 years. I wrote a new mystery roughly once a year, and we performed it multiple times, which meant that we, each of us, were on stage for 12 to 18 hours at a stretch in character uh, playing these roles in the course of a, of a weekend. And we did it so many times that we now hold a record in the Sherlockian world for having be, being the longest lived performers of Holmes and Watson in terms of years performed and hours spent in the role. Apparently, no other living actor can beat us. Really? Wow. That astonishes me. <laughs> yes, I have gone to two authorities. Tim Johnson, who is an authority on the Conan, he is the curator of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle collection at the University of Minnesota, and Mr. Peter Blau, who among Sherlockians needs no introduction, but people who aren't Sherlockians uh, don't know who he is, but he's based in Washington, D.C. He's master of the Red Circle of Washington. And uh, in that capacity, he has become an authority on Holmes over the course of perhaps 50 to 60 years of dedication. People go to him to settle disputes about Sherlock Holmes and so on. And I confronted him with this information, and he said, I think you're right. You are right. Now, why Sherlock Holmes? Exactly. What is it about these two fictional characters whom some people believe did indeed exist and beyond the printed page, what is it that gives them this terrific staying power? We know the famous silhouette with the, the deerstalker hat and the, and the long uh, pipe, and, and immediately we spot it. And it's used in advertising, and it's used on covers of books that have nothing to do with Holmes and Watson, but when you see it, you recognize what it is and what it stands for. These stories are a hundred and some years old. Now you realize that the Holmes and Watson saga consisting of four novels and 56 short stories are very largely narrated in Watson's voice. There, mm -hmm. There's very few that are third person as though by Doyle and only one, two. only two that are by uh, uh, Holmes, Holmes himself. himself. He tells the story. Otherwise Watson tells them in, in his voice. All right. Now, if you accept that, then you accept Watson and Holmes as being your companions in the solving of these crimes. But Doyle had a role to play. Sherlockians believe Doyle acted as the agent for Watson and so on and so on. All right, we'll pass that by. 
Doyle had a terrific sense of conveying place and atmosphere and character. Doyle will never be noted as a, a, a Dickens or a Tolstoy, but he had his his merits, and among them were the were his his uh, lively and gripping portrayals of place and character and atmosphere. And I think that's what gives these stories a lot of their staying power, plus the uh, fearsome intellectualism of Holmes and uh, the solving of crime, which, you know, Agatha Christie realized that this was a fountainhead and, in fact, used a lot of Sherlockian motives in her mysteries. Uh, these stories have been the springboard for all kinds of other authors, acknowledged or not. In fact, Michael Crichton once said that he, he spent pretty much his career rewriting Conan Doyle. He, <laughs> the Andromeda strain is based on the Land of Mist, for example. And there are various other things. I mean, many, many writers have acknowledged that they grew up hearing Doyle and those stories just gripped T.S. Eliot acknowledged the yes. debt to yes. Conan Doyle. <laughs> Oddly enough. And Doyle would have been probably surprised by that. Very much so. He was knighted not because he wrote Sherlock Holmes stories, he was knighted for his services to the Crown in the Boer War. Uh, he was a physician himself, not a terribly prosperous one, and he invented these two characters, one of which was a physician and therefore he could tell the stories in that physician's voice uh, pretty authentically. And after a, a number of failures in attempting to publish something. He found a small venue for A Study in Scarlet, the first novel, and was a surprising success. Eventually, he grew very weary of the character, in fact, tried to kill it off, and the public was so <coughs> insistent that Holmes not die that he brought him back. Uh, With the proper amount of cash, um, well, of course, he, he, he did rather well at it. Yeah. And Magazine reportedly said, you know, name your price and, and we'll pay it. And Doyle named 10 times the price that they thought they could afford, and they paid it. <laughs> so the characters, the characters live on. Mm. And they lived on in a series of movies by Rothbone and, and Nigel Bruce, and many other actors, of course. Uh, right into today, uh, you have the, the Sherlock series on TV, which is reset in mm -hmm. very contemporary uh, In fact, London. there are three new uh, Sherlock Holmes shows, I mean, that have revived interest, including Sherlock. Elementary, which is another TV show, with Johnny Lee uh, Miller mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. playing a Holmes character who calls himself Sherlock Holmes, but in the modern day. And then we have Robert Downey Jr. playing Holmes with Jude Law as Watson in now two movies. Rumors of a third one, I think, are largely exaggerated. But it, it, there's just that much interest in it suddenly these days. I think it's waning now, but we've, here at the villa, seized on this five years ago. We did a production called Sherlock by Wireless uh, first time in, in 2012, in which we took two of the uh, uh, original episodes from the Bath Rathbone and Bruce series combined them with a comedy sketch that they did on another show, mm. and that was put together, and that was quite successful for us. It was one of our first, it was, it was definitely our first radio production that we ever did. And now five years later, we're putting together three different scripts mm. and putting them together. How long, John, did the uh, Rathbone and Nigel Bruce radio series run? Well, it, it ran with Rathbone and Bruce for, I think, three or four years. Um, 
Nigel Bruce continued with it with um, uh, another actor. Uh, it was the brother of George Sanders, whose name is now escaping me. He went by a different name, Tom somebody or other. And he played the role because he could mimic Basil Rathbone's voice quite mm. well. And so it went on from there for a little while longer. It, and a lot of people don't know this, but the Sherlock Holmes series on radio was far more successful than the films. Hmm. Um, it ran for something like 230 episodes, as I recall. That's a great run. That's a terrific run. Hmm. And so far, you know, I think we'll be very, very old men after we complete that cycle here <laughs> at Great Escape. <laughs> the, uh, the radio series, of course, we're talking about 1945, and these are... These are radio adaptations. We're doing the original scripts by the, by the original radio uh, script writers. The war is going on, but in 1945 it's winding down, but it's still on. And so you have the, the odd aspect that the story, although set in the 1880s or 90s, finds Watson pushing war bonds or endorsing the Selective Service Commission or things like that. <laughs> one of my favorite moments is one of the scripts where a, a gentleman comes on giving a speech uh, pleading for uh, uh, finances and donations to relieve the refugees in Italy mm -hmm. um, at that time. And so th these three episodes accidentally portray um, 1945 from a historical perspective while pushing back even further in time into the Holmes and Watson era. So it's just a wonderful little trip back in time. So you have two actors playing two actors, playing characters <laughs> set in 1885, delivered in 1945, and observed here in 2018. So if you can put all of that beneath your hat. Wrap your head around that, folks. And then you will find this an amazing, unique evening of theater. Fantastic. Well said, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. An absolutely fantastic duo there, just absolutely meant for those roles. If you would like to get a chance to come out and see Sherlock by Wireless, our performance dates will be Thursday, January 25th through Saturday, January 27th at 7 p.m., and then Sunday, January 28th at 2 p.m. As always, for more details and information on our season and upcoming shows, please check out our website at greatescapestagecompany.com. Check us out on Facebook. Give us a like and a share while you're there. And don't forget, you can find this podcast not only through our website, but also through iTunes as well. I want to send a quick thank you out to Kyle Booth, who does our music, Veronica Louise Photography, who does our photographs, and I wanted to leave you with that promised blooper from the beginning here. So please enjoy... John Sherwood and Brooks Grantier reacting to uh, Kingsley in his first outtake. Hopefully, the first of many. <laughs> <laughs> no, he understands that when Holmes and Watson are here, crime can't be far away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We are the very stormy petrols of crime. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I'm Antonio Barroso. Thank you so much for joining us.